The text for this worship service is taken from 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Let's read it once again. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. <clears throat> Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, what exactly does a minister do? What is his main responsibility? That is a very important question to consider, especially today as a new minister, Reverend Van Spronsen, is about to be installed here in the Edmonton Emmanuel Church. This is a joyful day. And this is what we have been waiting for for a little over two years. But what exactly do we need him for? What's his task? Well, you will say, we need him to preach, to teach catechism, to visit the elderly and those who are shut in, and to counsel those who are depressed or who have other mental or spiritual needs and difficulties. We also need him to be a leader in the consistory room and in the council room, to attend classes, meetings, and to be involved with other matters that pertain to the Federation of Churches. And that's true. You need him for those things and also for many other things. But what's his main task? His main task, brothers and sisters, is the preaching. And that is why the pulpit is in the center of this church building. That is where the main event happens. Everything else is secondary, also in the worship service. And that gives great responsibility to a minister. What comes out of his mouth is what makes or breaks a worship service, a church service. He cannot rely on choirs and musicians and all kinds of other props in order to embellish the worship service. No, it is the preaching that the people come for and it is the preaching that they need. If the preaching is no good, well, then the worship service is a flop. The relationship of a preacher and God's people can be compared to the relationship of a car and an engine or a farmer's field and its crop. The one without the other is useless. Well, sure, there are many other parts that make up a car and there are many other things that go into the growing of a crop, but if there is no engine and if there is no crop, well, what's the use of everything else? A minister is first and foremost a preacher. If he doesn't preach, he might as well pack it in. And that's also the point that Paul makes to his younger colleague, Timothy. He tells him to preach the word. 
And that's also the theme for this installation service. Preach the word. And we will see that a minister must do that in the first place with dedication and persistence. Secondly, with correction and encouragement. And finally, with patience and careful instruction. First of all, he must do that with dedication and perseverance. Just before the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave, he gave the charge to the, his apostles and therefore also to the church, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Mark 16, verse 15. That was one of the last things that the Lord Jesus said to the church while he was still on earth. And so it is of great importance. Last words are always important. It is no wonder, therefore, that the apostles also did what they did. They spread throughout the whole world and they preached the gospel. So did Paul. That was the only purpose for him going on his missionary tours. He went to preach and he taught others to preach, including Timothy. And now here in this letter, we see the charge to Timothy. Timothy must also preach. Preach what? Well, as the Lord Jesus said, he must preach the good news. What's the good news? Well, I think you all know what that is. The good news is that the Lord Jesus saved us from our sins. The Lord Jesus did that. We didn't do that. We did not, and we do not have anything to add to our salvation. He did it all for us. All we have to do is to believe in him. It's a simple and straightforward message, isn't it? And you would think that by now we would have gotten it. Most of you have heard that message proclaimed all your lives. You've heard it from this pulpit, not only from me as your previous minister, but also from ministers before you, if you were around in those days, and from the elders who have been reading sermons from various ministers. The question is, why do we have to continue to hear that good news? And why do we need a minister for that? What makes him so important? Well, don't think that the good news is dependent on the messenger as such. That's what the church at Corinth thought. They sought their salvation in men. And so Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 12, as we read, one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. And then Paul asks, is Christ divided? You see, they confused the messenger with the sender. And they confused the messengers, the bringers of the word with the word himself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they put them on the same level. And in so doing, they did not elevate 
the messengers to divine status. On the contrary, they brought the Lord Jesus down to their level, to the fallible human level. For what is a preacher? A preacher is nothing more than a person who passes on the message given to him. Without the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in his mouth and in his heart, he's a nobody. All he is is a messenger from God, of the great king. In the Greek world, the concept of such a messenger was well known. A king, for example, would employ messengers who were obliged to herald the message that he had given them to proclaim. And he would send such heralds all over the land when an important announcement had to be made. The messenger declared the message of the king. As such, the messenger was very important. He had been given a very important task and it was wonderful that the king had chosen him for that task. But why was he important? He was important only because of the king. He was important because of the message that he could bring on behalf of the king. But woe to that messenger who would say something else than what the king had given him to say. He was not allowed to come in any way with his own opinions or with his own message. No, he had to proclaim exactly what the king had given him to say. And so in the final analysis, the messenger as such is of no account. He is only a mouthpiece of the king. And that's the way it is with the preacher. The preacher only passes on the message that he has been given to pass on. It's the message that God has given to him in his word. And he is especially chosen by God to do that. It's an honorable task. And that's why you have to also honor him in his task. God has given him his Holy Spirit so that he is also able to be a faithful messenger. For you see, you're not saved by a messenger, by a minister, or by an elder, or by your parents. No, you are saved by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that salvation is through God and not man. And that is why in all of the New Testament, the word preacher or herald is found only three times. But the verb to preach is found no less than 61 times. And that is because the emphasis is on the activity, not on the person. For if you seek your salvation in man, then you will become very disappointed. Preachers are sinful men. Although they try, they often do not practice what they preach. Sadly, the congregation knows that. That is true of me as well. We need a preacher to constantly remind us of the good news of our salvation. 
The good news that even though we do not deserve it, God gives us wonderful gifts and he gives us a marvelous inheritance. He opens the gate wide for us and he allows us into his kingdom where all kinds of riches are set aside for us. But that's something we often tend to forget, isn't it? We think that our riches and all our pleasures are to be found here on earth. And so we want to acquire riches and comfort for ourselves here on earth. And we pursue that with all our might and with all our resources. And we become very attached to our possessions and our earthly pleasures. And if because of our sins we feel lonely or depressed and deprived, then we seek cheap thrills. We go to alcohol or drugs or illicit sex. We cheat and step on others so that we will not be deprived. We look first of all after ourselves before we look after others. We're all like that without exception. That's our nature. And that is another an important reason why we need a preacher. A minister needs to remind us time and again that salvation is not found here on this earth or in earthly precious, but that our salvation is to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And we need to hear that time and again because the devil will try to give you a different message. He will work in your heart through the week and so will your flesh to have you forget those things. And the minister of the word must have a fire in his belly to proclaim that message. That message of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Paul says that Timothy must be prepared in season and out of season to do this. In other words, you must be ready at any time to come with God's word. For you see, brothers and sisters, preaching is not just done from this pulpit on Sunday mornings and Sunday afternoons. No, the preaching is also done in the homes and in the study. For that is where the minister will engage those who have special needs and concerns. And the minister has to preach to himself too as he prepares the sermons. He has to apply them to himself. But what does it mean that he must be prepared in season and out of season? Well, that does not just mean that he is on call 24-7, but also that he must be prepared in all circumstances. Other Bible versions state that the preacher must be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. That's how the NRSV has it. And that is closer to the original. For in the Greek it says that he must be ready during favorable times and unfavorable times. Eukairos, akairos. Those unfavorable times are spelled out in verses 3 and 4. He says that the time, kairos, will come and men will not put up a sound doctrine. They want to be among teachers 
who say what their itching ears want to hear. Everybody has an itch to scratch. And we want somebody to do that for us. We want to have our own way of doing things and our own thinking confirmed. And their craving is for teachers to suit their fancies and their perverted tastes. And these people want to retain their comfortable way of life and do not want their sins to be pointed out. And therefore, a preacher is not always a popular man. But once again, do you know what the task of a preacher is? Well, to quote an old rule of preachers, he should afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. You have to afflict the comfortable. Think about that. For a preacher, it's easiest not to step on any toes and to come with all kinds of comfortable doctrinal statements so that afterwards they will come up to you and say, oh, reverend, what a wonderful sermon. I really enjoy your preaching. Don't get me wrong. It's good to get such encouragement, especially if it is from someone you know will apply the preaching to his or her life. But not if they do it to flatter you or because you have left them in their comfort zone. For you see, they will not thank you in eternity for such smooth preaching, for sewing pillows for their swollen heads and crying peace, peace when there is no peace. They may praise you now, but they will curse you in eternity. We all have a hard time applying the preaching to ourselves, don't we? I'm not any different in that regard. I find that hard. For it is hard. For it goes against our nature to be spiritual. For if you apply it, then you have to make sacrifices. You, it applies self-denial. You have to say no to your natural desires and you have to humble yourself before God and your fellow man. And you have to make God most important in your life and not you yourself. What God wants is what matters and not what you want. We've come to the second point. That's extremely difficult for us. And that's why our lives go off the rails all the time. And for that reason, we need to be corrected. Time and again. The word that Paul uses here for correction means to expose and convict. That is, first of all, the work of the Holy Spirit. But a preacher is an instrument in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Same word that Paul uses for correction here is used in John 16, verse 8 of the Holy Spirit as well. It says there that when he comes, he will convict. Same word. The world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. We need to repent time and again from our wrong actions, 
from our own wrong way of thinking. For you see, brothers and sisters, doctrine and lifestyle go hand in hand. It's the task of the minister to correct those who are going astray in humility with understanding. And when you correct someone and you expose him or her to convict them, then you show them their sin and call them to repentance. And that's first of all done in the preaching, but if necessary in private as well. A good farmer does not allow the weeds in the fields to grow up along with the rest of the crop. He eradicates those weeds in one way or the other. Well, a good minister does the same thing. First of all, in his own life. But also to his congregation. Through the preaching and through the exhortation, he weeds you. If he doesn't do that, then the unwanted growth may choke the life out of you. And there you have another reason why you need a preacher. Another word is used in the text as well, and that word is often used of the Holy Spirit himself. It is the word to encourage. Most other translations, DSV, for example, have the verb to exhort. And that's probably what Paul has in mind here in the first place. It is a synonym to the two words, to correct and to rebuke. But this word especially emphasizes that a preacher must speak in God's name and with the spirit of God's power. He shouldn't come with his own opinion. During our vacancy, we've had all kinds of preachers here on this pulpit and also all kinds of sermons read from different ministers. Recently, I received an email from someone in the congregation who asked me about a sermon that was read. And she said that this minister had said in his sermon something quite different from what she had heard from one of my sermons. And so I told her that uh, sometimes ministers will add something which is in line with their own way of thinking, but which is not necessarily born out of the word of God. As ministers, we always have to be careful to allow God's word to speak, not to add our own opinions to it. I also told this person in my reply that she should always test the preaching. And that's your task, congregation. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. No preacher stands alone. He stands in the presence of God If it were not so, he would be nothing more than a clanging gong. You have to hold him accountable. Accountable to the one who sends him. The word comfort means to bring strength alongside a person. And you can only do that when you bring God alongside of you. And that's a minister's task. In so doing, he must call upon God's name on the congregation's behalf and implore him to help him and to strengthen him in his troubles against sin and the world. And so the preaching must be done with compassion. 
and patience. It's the third point. Preacher of all people has to reflect God in his words and deeds. He has to be a good example. And that includes God's patience. Our God is a patient God. He is long-suffering. And often the word that is used here in the text is translated that, that way. Long-suffering. He's long-suffering. That's a good thing. I'm so glad about that. I'm so glad that God has been patient with me over the years. And that he continues to be. How else could we exist before his holy eyes? Look at how he dealt with his people throughout the ages, how he dealt, for example, with David. David committed his horrible sin with Bathsheba. Adultery, murder. And in time, David became very distraught because of his sins. And then David, as we know from Psalm 32, said, when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And David became totally weighed down by his sin. The longer those sins remained unconfessed, the more he felt the heat. And David, as we know, was a God-fearing man. He wanted to be right with God. He loved God. And God knew that. And that's why he's patient with him. But his patience is always paired with careful teaching, which is part of this point. And that's why he sent Nathan. But he did not send him until after the baby conceived in adultery was born. And so it was a year before Nathan confronted him with his sin. And even then, Nathan the prophet did not confront him directly. No, he taught him a lesson by telling him a parable about a rich man who killed the little lamb of, the, of a poor man. And David says to Nathan, well, that rich man deserves to right, deserves to die. And Nathan replied, you are that man. He brought David to the point that he condemned himself. The Lord and Nathan, his prophet, was patient with David. And the Lord was patient with so many others. Think about the apostle Peter. How patient he was with him, even though he denied him three times. And how the Lord Jesus taught him carefully. Also, before his ascension, while he was walking in here, when he was walking on earth yet, he taught Peter. And so that is what the Lord does. He corrects and he teaches carefully, lovingly. Why does he do that? Because of us? No. Because God has certain plans with us. He wants to include us as part of his people and so he's patient with us and he teaches us and he uses preachers in order to do that as well. And so a preacher must be patient as well. But of course a preacher cannot judge the hearts of men like God can. And that's another reason why he must be patient. 
A minister is not God. He cannot look into the hearts of men. He can only see by the actions whether or not someone has hardened him or herself in their sin and therefore needs to repent. And it may be a long time before he is able to see that clearly. But that's why it is also such a wonderful thing that a minister does not stand alone. He has a body of advisors, namely the elders, to assist him in this. For a lot of what we heard this morning about the task of a minister could be said about elders as well. Together they are God's servants to make sure that God's word is preached from this pulpit, in the catechism classes, and in the homes. The Lord has given a wonderful task to the elders and especially to the minister. Indeed, how beautiful are the feet of him who bring the good news. What a privilege to preach about the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. But what a great responsibility as well. Reverend Vince Franzen, may the Lord grant you everything that you need so that you can take up your wonderful task here in this congregation. And may you also continue to see the great privilege and the great responsibility that God has given to you. May he bless you and keep you. And may the glory be to him alone. Amen.